On today's episode, we're talking allergies. Peanuts, dairy, eggs. How do we let kids be kids but still keep them safe? Parenting ain't harrowing, demanding, or traumatic. Let's face facts, moms say that when they're not this good at it. Step aside, ladies, give your babies to a Carol Brady level matriarch. The only hard part of it is how hard I'll hit this when I knock it out of the park. Your hands, raise them up. Your glass, raise it up. Low expectations, raise them up. Your children, I'm gonna raise them up. It's instinctual, I'm a natural, I'm tireless, multitastical. I'm on games of flame and it'll burn eternal. Damn, I'm so maternal. So maternal, so maternal. honored to have super mom Rebecca Bunch here on our podcast today. Rebecca, you are one of the most incredible moms I have ever seen, even though you don't have any children and you've only been babysitting for less than an hour. How do you do it? First of all, I want to say what an honor it is for you to have me on your podcast. You know, I guess I just instinctively get how to be a mom, and that's what sets me apart from other mothers. <laughs> Agreed. Other mothers are losers. <laughs> yes. Gonna keep them warm, gonna keep them safe, gonna keep their homework free of mistakes. If the kid gets hungry, I'll beat his face. A real wholesome meal, piece of cake. Here, have a piece of cake. You shut the door, five. Huey will enter. Five, six, five, six, pick up, pick up sticks. Pick, pick up, up sticks. Pick seven, eight, eight, eight. Lay them straight, straight, straight. Or queer, inclusive, inclusive. <laughs> Lay those sticks gay, gay, gay. <laughs> Bisexual sticks. <laughs> poly sticks, poly sticks. Poly sticks. Poly sticks, poly sticks, poly sticks. Ethical non-monogamy. <laughs> Ethical slut. Ethical slut. <laughs> poly secure sticks. Nine, nine, ten. <laughs> big fat count hen. again. Count, count, count again. again. I count, count again. I think for us it was big fat hen. Oh wow, that's a regionalism. Yeah. The difference between city mouse and country mouse. <laughs> oh my god, we should call ourselves that from now on. That is so cute. Hey, what's up, y'all? I'm country mouse, <laughs> and I'm city mouse. <laughs> hey, and I'm city mouse. <laughs> hey. I'm walking here. I'm eating cheesy. Well, you know, the difference between city mouse and country mouse. You know, I'm eating like a big wheel of cheese, you know, and I'm rolling it all over. We play with it and we eat it. But you, city mouse, you're eating fine, fine cheeses on fine pieces. Nice crackers. The nice crackers from the grocery store. Yeah. I made a cheese board this weekend. Hell yeah. Yeah. And it was a That's a nice little treat. It was a hard goat cheese. Um, so I was able to eat it, which was nice. It was a hard goat cheese. <laughs> it was tough. It was tough. It was, it was tough to go there for it a, was a Tough cheese. <laughs> Especially to cut. Cutting that cheese, tough. For everyone around. Yeah, because you were in like a cabin. Yeah, I actually... I locked in with those, with those goat farts. I actually did wake myself up with a fart. <laughs> On the trip. Like a dog or a Yeah, baby. like I, I woke up at 9.30 by waking myself up with a fart, scared myself, and then was like, I need to go back to sleep. But I remembered in my brain, I was like, make sure you apologize to this person who's sharing a room with you that you've never met. And then that anxiety made its way into the dream, turned into a nightmare. And then when I had to re-enter the space, I had to be like, hey, Sky, my new friend, 
I farted at 9.30 a.m. And <laughs> as, the, as the crow calls, as the cock a doodle do, so, so did I let one rip. And I don't think you even noticed it, but then it became part of my brain. As the sun rose, so did the gas from my anus. And you, I had to tell you this. Absolutely. Yeah. I love uh stress dreams i love the way that our feelings work our way into our dreams i almost never remember my dreams that doesn't surprise me fascinating yeah let's we'll, we'll circle back to that okay. um but the only times i do are these dreams that i have that are like horrible social nightmares yeah and all of my dreams the only ones i ever remember it's never a dream where i'm like you know, making out with some hottie, some you know, hottie with the body. It's always like, oh no, I've committed a horrible social sin against someone that I know, and I'm now being ostracized from society. Yo, mine very similar. And then I wake up and I think the dream was real for a little bit, and I have to sit there and I'm like, God, how am I gonna walk this one back? And then I slowly remember, like, okay, that didn't actually happen. But then I still feel the residual social sin when I see that person yep. say an Instagram story, when I encounter them in public. So now we have this whole backstory history, like the characters Sink and Wolverine from the X-Men comics. I feel like I texted you recently that I was like, I woke up shaking from a nightmare and you yes. were in it. I don't remember anything about you it. Were and you, you were there. And you were there. Now, why don't you think I remember my dreams? I'm just curious what it is about me. I don't think there's anything I would say that you would, like, agree with. I don't think it really matters why that's my impression. Fair enough. I'm just curious. I just, when when, when, when there's such a strong reaction to something so specific, I just really <laughs> want to know, like, if there is an interiority behind it. But sometimes it is just a feeling. Yeah, I don't, I think, uh, I think the way you process the world around you, it makes sense that you don't remember. Undreamlike. <laughs> Not undreamlike. Nose to the grindstone. It just feels like it gets, like, suppressed into some weird space that you can't see and you have such like a rich imagination media world thank you so much that it would either be you have really elaborate filmy dreams or you have no dreams <laughs> yeah that actually makes sense. <laughs> my dreams are up on the silver screen i don't need to have them when i'm asleep <laughs> yeah yeah something like that because i'm watching hirokatsu koreeda's afterlife yeah like I mean, I wish that you had really, but it, it, it's also a curse to have really colorful dreams like I do. I've I've had entire musical dreams, wow, composed, choreographed, staged, everything. But I can't write music, and I wake up and it's gone. And you, and you can't, you you know, it never it never greets your pen. No, it's like that. I am sorry to invoke this particular series of books, but it's like that scene in one of the Harry Potter books where Harry has this huge prophetic dream that essentially tells him everything that he needs to do for the rest of the book. And then the next sentence is, and then Harry woke up and forgot. <laughs> it's a, it, yeah. I, and I feel like I have those a lot, actually. Big bummer. Sorry to have evoked it, but it's just, it's such a strong reading memory of mine. I don't mind talking about harry potter when you talk about harry potter i'm afraid of bringing up harry potter around you because i'm gonna be weird about it yeah and i'm also weird about it but we're weird about it in different ways in different ways yeah because you're like this is such a personal part of my life and like i feel personally betrayed by 
the person who brought this yes, this have, rich world to you. I have two Harry Potter tattoos. Exactly. And I come at Harry Potter from like, everyone please read something else. Yeah. <laughs> everyone please think of something else to do. I'm with, I'm like, read something else, but also like, I am a trans person that came into my transness through Harry Potter. So that sucks. That does suck. Yeah. That's a fascinating story though. It is, it is. And it's not an uncommon one either, which is what's frustrating. My master theory, which is controversial, so I already came pre-canceled if you're listening to the pod for the first time. I'm already, like, pre-canceled. Um, That's the way to be. <laughs> That's how you fucking do it. So you can't, you can't go, yeah, if you don't like it, turn it off. Um, I hate when comedians are like that, but that's how I feel about this. And, um, <laughs> and if you're fucking triggered. <laughs> hashtag triggered. I feel, controversial take, that J.K. Rowling is a closeted trans man. Oh, a classic. The same way that, like, really homophobic, like, right-wing priests are often uncovered. A lot, of course, of course, of course. But when I say this around queer people sometimes, they rightfully are like, I hate that rhetoric. Like, I hate the idea that all, like, bad this are Of course. And it, and it, is, and it, is, and it is, it is not true that all of them are. Correct. However, a lot of them are. A lot of them are, and I do think that's icky, but... And I don't think there's anything that she could do to amend it, but I think it makes most sense in my brain if I think about it that way. Absolutely. I I think about it in the same way that I think about closeted homophobic priests. Um, Unfortunately, she just has a huge platform and a really beautiful imagination. So... So true. Um, to imagine uh, the life of an entire world of magic as essentially just London and regular boarding school. But... And I, I know everyone who turned into the Crazy Ex-Girlfriend podcast wants to hear about this following topic. But it's like the huge contingent of people who are convinced there is a, like, worldwide pedophilic conspiracy. Mm-hmm. And how many of those people who never shut up about how all these other famous people are pedophiles often end up having been pedophiles themselves and it's it's this mental impulse where like they have these pedophilic thoughts so they assume everyone else is also having these pedophilic thoughts and if they're having these pedophilic thoughts and not acting on them there must be a vast number of people who are having these thoughts and are acting I've lost the plot, though. How did we get from A to B to C? Eh, closeted uh, people enacting their blah, 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 blah. Yes, okay. I It brought me into a memory, which is also sort of just very, very tangential. Um, I didn't know about QAnon stuff, and then I was introduced to, or, I, like, the first seed was planted about, like, what, like, that, like, pedophilia plot of, mm-hmm. of QAnon. I didn't know it existed, so I had this really... Until st- when? I had this really strange interaction. I think it was summer 2020 um, where I, yeah, because I guess the capital was 20, the beginning of 2021. 2021, yeah. Yeah, so it was like summer 2020 when I was doing my road trip and I went with my friend John to a taco place in Southern California, which is like known for being a liberal part of the country, but there's a bubble of it that has Trumpers. And, um, and this was leading up to the 2020 election of which we didn't know who was going to win yet. And And we still don't, (laughs) we still, and we'll never know. And 
there were these two guys like having an argument when we pulled up to this taco place Mm -hmm. and one was like in favor of trump and we were immediately like kind of sus both were like anti-mask and this was pre-vax so both were like really against like going into this taco shop with a mask so they both started saying like hateful racisty things towards like the people who were working there but of course but then they got into a like a, a separate fight that was like something like trump versus like like biden pedophile like there was just and i had never heard i had mm. never heard the anything about it the QAnon through line and so it was weird because these both of these people were anti-masks or masklers but one was like i mean right it takes all kinds (laughs) and (laughs) you can be anti-mask but not be QAnon but it came so seamlessly into conversation absolutely and so i was like wait i'm missing something (laughs) and then we finally we finally started doing our research well yeah um so i know a lot about this stuff um, because I... Twitter.com? Uh, certainly helps, uh, also a lot of left-wing podcasts that I listen to that specifically investigate this sub-community in a sort of documentarial, uh, uh, perspective. Yeah. Uh, I don't think documentarial is a word, but I said it anyway. No, no, it is. We coined it here. Uh, yeah, right here. Uh, we're, and we ourselves are documentarial, and I'll say it again. Um. I have a master's. And I don't. So I don't have a master's. I always, I, you are, you're so smarticle. I'm just a city mouse. You're educated. <laughs> exactly. I'm just saying, if I say you coined it, then then it counts. Then I, but don't you take advantage of a simple country folk like me coin that word, make a lot of profit. That's a great point. Okay, thank you. Um, but I know a lot about that stuff. But there have been many instances with regular people in my life where, like, a person will come up. Or, like, you know, I'll make a joke about some of this stuff. And they'll go, what? And I go, I'm not going to be the person to, like, tell you about that. I'm not going to ruin your life. Yeah. If you have existed this long, not knowing about all of this stuff. Yeah. Unless you, like, specifically ask it of me, I'm not going to ruin your life. It's not actually important that you know this. I think, I think there are things in my life that I... I probably hold the same space. Not quite QAnon, but definitely some weird shit where I'm like, actually, better you don't know. Yeah. Better, better you be protected from this. Speaking of protecting mm-hmm. innocent voices, how about those two crazy ex-girlfriend episodes we just watched? Now, Kat. Yes, Kevin. Are you going to sing City, us a little song? City Mouse. You've been... <laughs> yeah, I guess I keep forgetting to do it. Is is uh... Here we go. <laughs> I'm being an improv. And a two, and one, two, three, go. I'm just a city mouse. I have a little straw house. That's a country It's made out of... Oh, yeah, I've said the wrong word. (laughs) You got it. That's what you get from a country turd. (laughs) I mix up words all the time. I can't even make them rhyme. Except there, well, I messed that up too. <laughs> Just shows you what education can do. What education can do, but can do. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And then that's when you go, da. <laughs> jazz hands. Jazz hands. Every song it... should end with jazz hands. Every song should begin with someone going, well, 
I'll tell ya. And every song should end with jazz hands. <laughs> Absolutely agree. <laughs> every, song, every song should be pimped into by someone saying like, Well, I'll tell ya. Well, I'll tell you. And then every song would be like, well, that's Skimbleshanks. And be like, who's Skimbleshanks? And be like, well, I'll tell you. <laughs> that's a rum tum tugger. <laughs> rum tum tugger. Only in cats. I can, I guess. No, everything. Okay. <laughs> no, everything. Shucked. Should be in shucked. Well, I think, I think Country Mouse would fit right in on shucked. <laughs> who's Alexander Hamilton, you say? Well, I'll tell you. <laughs> does it and then it ends with jazz hands <laughs> alexander hamilton blah. that blah is alexander just hamilton <laughs> i have to say it again just and say it as faggy as possible <laughs> I, and i can say that you can say it i guess i technically can too but i i, I don't I want know, to I feel, yeah i feel like it's a it walks a it walks a line i don't want to yeah um yes these episodes so what i was uh, going to say <laughs> before i was pimped uh was you know I love this show. Yeah, you like, yeah. I really do. I don't think you'd be doing this. One of my, absolutely. Yeah. You're correct. And you wouldn't be doing this also. I would never have a podcast about a TV show I didn't like. And you wouldn't do this a year later, over a year after you've had COVID when you rewatch. When I watched it for the yeah. first time. We've crossed the one year Rubicon. Yes. Absolutely. I am, I am now into, we're actually venturing into 14 months post-COVID. Can you imagine? Brave. However, as we recorded last episode... And as we are recording this episode, our little show's in a little bit of a slump. <laughs> Crazy Ex-Girlfriend is in a lit... It's in a, it's. A, I'm sorry, it's in a flop era at this current moment. At this current time, I think the plot lines are stagnating. I think, oh, yeah. I think since Greg has left... Oh, yeah. We've been spinning some wheels like a little mouse. <laughs> and uh, we desperately, desperately need... An injection of new energy and new conflict into this television show, and maybe it takes the form of like a six foot three new boss in the law office. I don't know. I'm spitballing here. I forgot about that sexy guy. I'm spitballing here. It really needs a new sexy guy because these these plot beats have fucking potholes in them at the point like they're so old and unkempt for yeah you know that guy kind of reminds me of it's a very joel McHale. it's a very very it's very, a very joel McHale. yeah like 100 percent. which is an energy i of course love yeah yeah it's it's one that's like it's a temptress a for me i love a on a tv show mind you right i love a black suit well-educated, slick hair, I don't care about your feeling, like, kind of... I think it's an important energy in a TV environment. It is one of the most crucial characters a TV show can have. Yeah. But also that has daddy issues. Always. Gotta have daddy Always. issues. And it's gotta, it's, it's gotta be the driving thing. If and you he's were... a womanizer, but he finds someone who wants to cut through all that. Yeah, and it's very like will they won't they, yeah. Yeah, I feel like it's the perfect yeah it's the perfect supplement to the Greg and the Nick from New Girl and the hundred percent. You you need the like douchey com- community. You need the other guy. guy. You need a Schmidt in a New Girl style scenario. Schmidt, yeah, 
Yeah. 100%. It's, yeah. An, it's an important TV archetype. Now, this is not a person I want to hang out with socially. No, but I'm also drawn to them because I see them in media. And so I'm like, maybe I would enjoy... Because there was a person in my life that was that. and Jesus? I, it was Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> it was Jesus Christ There's a person Christ in himself. my life. <laughs> uh, nay, a son of God. And... And lo, <laughs> EBE descended upon mankind. I really roasted Jesus this weekend, actually. <laughs> like over an open flame? No. Like sort of stuck an apple in his mouth and turned him over and over again? Oh, that's so fuck. Yeah, it was Easter. Um, it wasn't Easter. It wasn't Easter. <laughs> we didn't record in the month of Easter. You have no idea when we recorded this. Um, you sure don't. Yeah. Well. You don't know, you don't know what <laughs> May 1st it is. Maybe it's May 1st of last year. I don't, um, I don't practice April, so I feel like it feels right that April was not, not on You're the agnostic. books. I'm agnostic, yeah. I don't think the word smithing is on my tongue tonight. Roasted Jesus, wait, before that, there was a guy in my life. There was a guy in your life <laughs> who was somewhat adjacent to a future character. Yes, on anyway, Buffen, he's- Or a Jeff Winger or he's, a Smith. He's unfortunately, like, really, really- Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok famous now. Oh. But it's still not that funny. But he held that energy for a shorter guy. Mm-hmm. I think he's like 5'10", but he gives like 5'8 five, energy or less. Mm. Anyway. Um, <laughs> I just think it's an important archetype. It's, again, not someone I want to see socially. That's, yeah. But I don't have to want to have characters on TV be my real actual friends. You know what I mean? Yeah. I want them to be entertaining on the box that I watch for fun. I think I just, like, throw them so much, like, meh, because, like, I think there's still a part of me that's like, I want your approval, this archetype. A hundred percent. I understand that, especially given your uh, problematic, cancelable background. Um, <laughs> but it's like, listen, on Gossip Girl, the best show of all time, peak TV, I don't want to hang out with any of these people, but I love watching them get up to hijinks. You don't want to hang out with anyone from Gossip Girl? Not a single person. Actually. That's actually a great point. I don't... I'm talking about the OG Gossip Girl. I haven't seen the new one. Maybe they're go. all very relatable and would ben, be fun to hang out with. I gotta but... go. I gotta go. I gotta, <laughs> I gotta go. go. Dan, I gotta go. I gotta go. I gotta go. I didn't realize what you were doing for a sec. It's it's so funny. I wanted to be her so bad. And (laughs) I wanted to be the least interesting character on Gossip Girl. People would tell me that I looked like her. And you're that blonde. <laughs> I was blonde and skinny. And they're like, you're just you're like just her. Like, oh, yeah, you're just like Selena Vanderlake. I gotta go. I gotta go. <laughs> I feel like I tried to like change my voice to be kind of like hers too during that era. Like, oh, maybe oh. I'll just... It's like a, it's Chuck. like it's like a Kardashian meets Marilyn Monroe. It's really hard to describe <laughs> what Blake Lively sounds like. I thought cool. But yeah. you just hear it, cool. and I was like, I would never mistake her right. bizarre cadence for anything else. Right. But I just I don't know where it comes from. It's really hard to like track down and figure out where this comes from. Ryan Reynolds is such a busy man. Sure is. He's got that soccer team. He's got like a business. He he is in many films he's, and television he's, shows. He's Deadpool. He's Deadpool. He's Deadpool. <laughs> and he keeps. They keep needing the Deadpool. To he keeps showing up in like every movie, and I'm like, enough. Doing exactly the same thing every time. Uh, yeah, and he's married to Blake Lively on top of all of that. Yeah, and they got married on a plantation. Ew. Yep. I, I didn't know that. You didn't know that. Mm-mm. Well, I'm glad I told you. 
That's a bummer. They both kind of went like notes app shrug apology about it. Uh, the classic. The classic. We will um, and our- previous to Blake Lively, he was married to Scarlett Johansson. Oh, that's right. That's so right. Pre-Deadpool. Can you imagine no. your two wives in your lifetime being? Yes, I can. Okay. I can spend a lot of time imagining <laughs> And you do. Uh, what? Yeah, boring. On the yeah, boring. The show. I'm sorry. I'm talking about conflict on a television show. And you see, television shows are an engine of conflict. They run on conflict. The wood that makes the train go is hijinks, is Choo-choo. misunderstandings, is people not being able to process their feelings and exuding them out in wacky sort of scenarios, right? And this is why therapy is bad for television shows. Uh, because when you get a television show where everyone is well-adjusted, actually it's very boring to watch. <laughs> um, and I'm not talking... To, you can have a scene where someone goes to a therapist. Rebecca Bunch is a therapist. And I love those scenes very much. I think they're very helpful. But you get to a sort of like Ted Lasso season three place where you're like, there is no conflict anymore. I haven't seen it. It's really bad. It won't be bad, but it won't be great. When you watch it? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Every episode is 57 minutes long. I can't wait. Of Ted Lasso season three. I can't wait. If you're looking for plot lines, you won't find them. But I don't need them. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need them. If you're looking for jokes, file 404, not found. That sucks, actually. <laughs> yeah. It's not funny anymore at all. That's a bummer. That's yeah. A it's bummer. a big, big bummer. And also every episode is 57 minutes long. <laughs> Um, and if you think you could pack those 57 minutes full of characterful conflict and resolutions and plot lines, like, say, a Gossip Girl, no. I'm sorry. Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. The reason we're dancing around talking is that, like, I don't think these two episodes were particularly good, and they're rehashing a lot of the stuff that we have done previously, and the show just really needs a, a, a kick in the ass. Yeah, I liked... Brittany Snow, because I love her from my childhood. She's fun. And then they do that, like, um, TV show plotline dating character where, like, suddenly just the beginning of of one episode, they're just like, actually, I'm not super into this anymore. And you can tell by the end of this episode that we will be broken up. Yeah. Schmidt actually had a girlfriend in New Girl. I haven't watched New Girl in 10 years. Drives me nuts on New Girl. They do it every there's one, though, that now I follow on TikTok, and she's so hot, and I think she is bi. Is it Fawn Moscato? I don't know. City Councilwoman Fawn Moscato? I don't remember. I'll show you later. Maybe it's not even... Nope. You know what I'm thinking of? Was it Nick? I think I'm thinking of Parks and Rec. I think I'm thinking of... Uh, Tom Haverford? The guy who I canceled. Yeah, I think Tom. Oh, Rob Lowe? No. Well, there's multiple people. Thing about Parks and Rec, a lot of canceled guys. Yeah. Uh, Bummer. A lot of canceled guys one, on that show. The one who, hmm, <laughs> master of none. I'm Aziz Ansari. I'm so proud of myself for deleting him from my brain. Good job. It's actually a superpower of mine. Um, <laughs> deleting canceled men. Deleting men's names is like I mean, something that's powerful. That's my name. Well, I only delete the people that I cancel. So it's ex-boyfriends or... Shitty men yeah, or all my ex-boyfriends get canceled. Not mine. I know. But all my friends' the, ex-boyfriends. The, oh, for sure. And it's kind of my power move, even though that's my least favorite joke of like, oh, what's his name? It's also Like my... they did in this episode. Exactly. Well, they didn't. It was actually dramatic irony and you pointed it out and then I was like, Oh right, yeah, it's not a joke, it's dramatic irony and then I thought about it and then they said Shakespeare and then I like went down the portal. <laughs> <laughs> the Shakespeare? You the Shakespeare portal? You, you're the kid in King Arthur's Court? Yeah. Oh my god, we watched Knight's Tale. 
our dear listeners. That shit rules. That was a good That's movie. That's such a good movie. We did a lot in I'm April. So, I'm can't so glad. Yeah, in April, you know what we did? We hung out. We lived. We didn't have to make content. We lived, I loved. <laughs> I, I eat, I pray, I love. <laughs> yeah, we eat, we prayed, we loved, we lived, All we to laughed, Jesus. We, we love Jesus, we pray to Jesus, and we eat him. Fuck yeah, it was his month. <laughs> we roasted him over an open fire. With, uh, with apple. It was so good. Just like Yellow Jackets, which I'm watching right now. I've seen the first two episodes. I think it's fun. It is fun. It's fun. It's a fun show to watch. <laughs> I like really, it. It's really bleak. It's really bleak, but in... It's bleak, but in like a kind of fun, exciting way. It continues to be fun. I think Yellow Jackets is doing what Crazy Ex-Girlfriend Season 2 is not. Plotlines. Plotlines and introducing new characters mm-hmm. in ways that is important and filling roles that old characters... Mm-hmm. When old characters have left for whatever reason... Yes. Replacing them with newer faces, they're doing a good job. It's very important. Characters leave TV shows all the time, right? And like, you, and and you need to fill the energy void. Yeah, and you and know, you know, you can't replace it with the same energy. Yes. So it is an art to choose what new energy. It truly, truly is. Thank you for saying it. Yeah. Um, that like characters leave shows all the time, and you need to fill them in, and you know, you need like a particular element of the overall show alchemy show dynamic but if you sub it in with something too similar everyone's gonna be like well this just that's not fucking that's not greg yeah they if they introduced a different surly bartender <laughs> like that wouldn't work but there is sort of like an there's a there's an there's an acidity that is missing from the show right now and i'm sorry the show is basic right now which is the opposite of acidity yeah oh good thank good, you so much good poll as you're saying that, I'm realizing that's, like, Succession did that well. They, like, started introducing that, like, head of the tech that's supposed to be more Elon Musking as they were, like, phasing out Logan Roy. Yeah. Which was also symbolic of where media is going. Of course. It but, works out really well. Spoilers for Succession. But I realize, I'm, I'm not going to say exactly what happened, but they're phasing, you know, one's phasing it. The show is called Succession. and the, Succession has also brought in many characters in and out. You yeah, know, there was like yeah. the, the, the uh, Logan's had many assistants and wives that I think provide a particular element to the show as well. Yeah. That's a good show. It's a good show. I actually didn't like this last episode as much as the prior. Living four. Plus. Living Plus. I didn't love it as much. I get what they were doing, which is interesting because I actually know one of the writers of this one. And I kind of and I kind of see why because it was theater themed, but mm. I know him as a playwright. Sure. Like, it did feel play esque the way they were putting on the monologue yeah. and, and things like that. He's been in the writing room and he's been a co producer, but he, this was his, like, he, he and Got one other writer. Did, yeah, it was his writing credit and That's it was. Good. I think it was a lot to do with like. I think it was well done. I like the. I like when they play Bitey. Bitey was cute. It's cute. I okay. Is this toxic? I like. I like Shiv and Tom. You know what I really need to talk about because now this podcast is becoming a succession podcast. Um, It is the final season, so I'm allowed to do this. I think it's so interesting, and maybe you don't find it interesting, but I haven't been able to talk to people about it. How there's two Toms in the show. And there's Tom with Shiv, mm-hmm. who's like Mr. Darcy and dark and fun and whatever. Greg. And then there's and then there's Tom and Greg. And Tom with Greg never talks to Tom with Shiv. Oh, They've never. Con- isn't that weird? That's fascinating. Well, you know, I know it's we like, all wear many faces. I know, but that like you would think of that show, there would be like some sort of like 
reference to it at least or some sort of like acknowledgement the closest we got to it was like this episode yeah like you know shiv kept going out to call alexander skarsgård and then like we would greg feels like a vestigial character at this point like greg has no more plot but every episode greg will like make you laugh like at least seven times like that he's just there for jokes now hasn't he always been no but he's had like I guess he's been... When he when they were shredding the files and I think like when that. they need a character to move an action along mm-hmm. and the rest of the characters are tied up in something emotional yeah. and important, Greg has been a very easy one to be like, just, we'll carry you. Just put the, in Greg. You'll do the funny thing and then his rapport with... Because I love, even though, like, they're so fucked up. But yeah, of course. I think it's some of the best, like, dynamic writing between greg and tom that it's it's some of the best writing i've seen on tv it's so funny but it's also like really complex and like layered and fucked up and like the power dynamic is so strange it's so weird it's it's, really well done it's so gay to me it is no it is so gay (laughs) and so he's just this like super like straight like just the way it's playing with bisexuality is so interesting to me because it's playing into the gender roles of bisexuality in an interesting way like the way that he like regards shiv is so different than how he like regards greg but then also like it's an unnameable it's just so interesting i feel like queer people will be talking about that dynamic for a while but it's weird to me that I'm really enjoying this, like, really weird Tom and Shiv, like, stuff. I was so sick of them and was like, ew. And now it's so interesting. Like, you actually don't know how he's going to respond. And you yeah. don't know how she's going to respond anymore. Because it's, like, day to day. And I just think it's so weird that he's also a completely... Se- it's like two different writers are writing him. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But it all still, like, makes sense as one character. Like, it doesn't feel like wrong or like neither these characters it doesn't feel like the characters can't coexist i would just like i'm so curious how shiv would respond to like hearing tom be this other person the story of the disgusting brothers yeah 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 like she heard it briefly but like like listening in on a conversation between them like i'm just very curious oh yeah i'm sure she would be above it she would just be like that's so dumb i didn't know you were like that fucking stupid but but I'm still so curious because it's so different. Like, yeah. But this is what we're talking about when we're talking about like what TV shows need. Like, it's a, it's a, it runs on. I'm sorry, it runs on drama. It runs on a messy engine of interpersonal conflicts and misplaced resentments. And like, you know, we've seen it, Rebecca and Valencia do schemes before, or like not necessarily as much together, but like we've we've seen them do kind of the wacky caper. And I'm sorry, like the Britney Snow character was just like obvi- just really felt like a filler sort of plot point. Totally, like it's just it. We're gonna do a cu- this for a couple episodes, and that's fine. Like you know, you can have mini arcs and mini character presentations, but like. It just doesn't doesn't ultimately feel like it added up to anything. And so it, the the first episode that we watched where it had the whole cat hijinks and they broke into the, the eyebrow salon and they, they were like, oh, we have to move on from Josh. And then like fucking one episode later, mm-hmm. we're like walking all of that back. Yeah. I don't know. Felt like they were stalling for time. I liked the eight, 
they at least put a song right when I was about to be like, I'm checked out. Like, right when I'm like, I'm mm-hmm. done watching the show. Now I'm going to think about something else <sighs> until the show's over. It put, was it the Bonnie Tyler song? What? What? The end of the second episode where, like, the it's a it's the friend fight and was like I really wanna tell you with the rain I'm sorry. yeah that was good and the and the curtains yeah which is like such a good like Bonnie Tyler as song written by Jim Steinman sort of pastiche um it's really good I really liked Brittany Snow's little song because I was obsessed with her hairspray it reminded me of her hairspray performance and also like pitch perfect but this is returning to her like mean girl role and as opposed to her very likable every woman in uh, john tucker must die i love john tucker must die oh my god was she supposed to be the dorky girl that she was it's that's so stupid i'm sorry i have been grinding this axe for like 13 years is that like britney snow is supposed to be like the plain girl in john tucker must die and they do nothing Nothing. to plane her up like we all make fun of the glasses and the ponytail thing but like you gotta do something she's britney snow and she's like yeah i'm not much to look at (laughs) yeah and like that cast was hot but like she was also like the most stereotypically like beauty standard of the time like yes like if if... it's like putting rachel mcadams from mean girls playing regina george in that role it's like like literally a barbie out of a box is what britney snow like resembles you know I i was watching this you don't care about it but i was watching this um reality show selling sunset but they have a version that's in the oc and in real life britney snow's selling the oc selling me yeah and <laughs> that is what i've been called. watching the oc oh yeah not selling the oc i've just oh been God, watching wait, the watched, television show the OC. i watched the oc during the pandemic i watched it during what a top good show surgery. it's really good what a good show same creator as josh gossip girl did it you is know this? Josh i did Schwartz. i've listened to podcasts and stuff. Schwartz? yeah there's a pod. There's a he had something. There's an OC podcast I think you would like with Rachel Bilson. I bet you. They really... advertise it to me before every episode of the OC. Oh, they're like you should really listen to those podcasts. Oh, I didn't really yeah, on that. HBO Max. So it must be like an official HBO Max sort of podcast. It didn't used to be. I listened to wow. it when like nobody really knew about. Is it, it is it like an episode by episode kind of thing? Mm-hmm. Like the Office Ladies. Mm-hmm. I bet that's interesting. Um, there's also a musical that our dear friend Jace. Hi Jace. Hi Jace. Um. Our friend Jace's, like, entire theater troupe was um, <laughs> was in this post-apocalyptic Oscar Wilde <laughs> musical opera in Bushwick. That, oh, in Bushwick, you say. <laughs> that, that, that production. And, and how does this relate? Well, they <laughs> their post-apocalyptic cult decided to center their deity to Julie Cooper, the mom of... From the OC that wears all juicy. So there's a song that's like, Julie, how do you know? And then they like belt as high as they possibly can. Julie! And it's like, how the fuck? That's... And she knows about it because... How could you not? (laughs) She heard about it through like... Oh my god, and then Sandy Cohen, the hottest dad in the whole fucking world. What a hot dad. That dude. dad is so Peter hot. Gallagher. That dad brought like a a straight sexuality from like the depths of my body. 100%. Like just oh my god. I mean, they were talking about famous eyebrows in this episode. They cited Eugene Levy, but Peter no. Gallagher. Peter Gallagher. Peter Gallagher eyebrows of the fucking century. Ah man. 
Yeah, I used to talk about He's those got a scenes. great smooth voice, too. Oh, my God, And yeah. on that show, he's playing such, like, a softy. Mm-hmm. He's like, I used to be a troubled kid like you, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna take care of you. <laughs> and his wife is so boring. She does no favors yeah, to help him. Yeah, she's not interesting, though. He does all the work. Yeah. And I understand that you need conflict, but it's just, it, it's, it's, it's not working. No. Yeah, the flop performances of that show are, like... Are tremendous. <laughs> like, the lead guy. That you, don't like, you don't like Ben McKenzie? He's cute. I think he. I think he does what he needs to do. I think he. Yeah. He's doing what is required of of Ryan or whatever. He his does name what is. needs to be done. Though I don't find him to be like. Well, I guess like in Dawson's Creek, I didn't really find either dude to be that hot. I don't find like the OC sure. guy to be like that hot. And as we were saying, um, were you more into Adam Brody? Yeah, which we said last pod. Like, oh, did you really? <laughs> Adam Brody. I didn't know you were watching the OC. The thing I only recently just started um because i'm gonna be on an oc podcast and you I, are? I gotta get boned up uh just on like one episode but, yeah. <gasps> fun yeah so i gotta get i gotta i gotta get and i'm not like super familiar with the show so i'm like watching oh my God, it send me the link 100 i think it might be a paywalled show but Free it's plug. it's the paywalled version of the lonely boys which is the gossip girl podcast that i have been on and will be on again love that yeah it's great um what the fuck was i talking about oh yeah i'm gonna be on the uh uh anyway I think Ben McKenzie on the OC does a pretty solid job. He's more interesting to me than the boring characters on Gossip Girl. Totally. I think he's giving more than he's way better Nate than Nate Archibald. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. He's the Nate. Yeah. He's the Nate, but he's doing way more than Nate. We don't have a Chuck, though, but I guess maybe Summer is sort of the Chuck. I don't know. Uh, yeah, it's different. I mean, Chuck Bass is such an interesting character, a completely insane performance. So weird. Yes. It's very serial killer. Blair. Like, he's just like, he yeah. whispers every line. Yeah, it's really weird. But it works. Yeah. And also, like, the first thing that character does on that show is, like, try and rape a 14-year-old. Whoa. But, like, we all, like, love Chuck Bass. It's, like, it's so crazy. Whoa. <laughs> yeah, in the pilot, he's, like, he's just pure, straight, up, like, evil, rich douchebag. Oh, my God. I know. Wow. But and you'll be like, I'm never gonna come around on this guy. And then you keep watching Gossip Girl and you're like, fuck. God damn it. That's crazy. Yeah, pilots sometimes throw things and then they just leave. Because they don't know. They don't know what they have until they cast Ed Westwick. Right. Yeah. I think um uh I forgot in succession that I guess in the pilot Ronan has like a wife and kids and they just like (laughs) wrote them out. (laughs) I remember him having a girlfriend back then. Wow. Oh yeah, they probably just like say it. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. (laughs) And like you can you can't imagine the Roman that exists now having a wife and children. No, I was one thing I was surprised. Because he famously can't get it up. One thing I was surprised about in the succession episode, spoiler. 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 I don't know when it's going to not be a spoiler. Spoiler. But, you know, whatever. You've gotten this far in the pod. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> Ronan fires Carrie, and I don't know why he didn't reference that she had already been fired, and he had already been fired for by, her, by his dad. Like, the argument being like, my dad already fired you. You're not on this kill list, but it was literally that day. We had this conversation at the wedding. Oh. That was the only plot hole that I feel like wasn't, like, resolved. That's right. He was going to do that. I just, you know what? So much has happened since so then. So much happened. Just, like, completely. Really good stuff. Completely forgot about it. Anyway, it's a good show. And right now they're airing it back to back with Barry, which I know is not 
your show. It might but eventually it be. But it fucking... Barry's on fire. You know what? Barry might... speaks to me in a very special way. You know what I might do, though? Well, And this is kind of crazy. Um, start killing people for money? Oh, that might be more Like fun. Barry. That actually might be more <laughs> Than fun. watching Barry. <laughs> then, no, then my idea, which was I was going to say that I might start reading books. Fascinating. But killing people for money <laughs> sounds a lot more compelling. Certainly uh, a more of a, you know, in the cost to benefit relation, you know, you'll probably yeah, reading, start cleaning up. Reading hard, long, <laughs> boring. boring. <laughs> killing books. people for money. I love books. I'm a big fan. What is what is spurring on this uh, desire to read? Because I had like a little boundary that like I wasn't going to pressure myself to read books this last year of working mm-hmm. on my thesis because I already... With dyslexia, yeah. had to overcome much, much reading. No, that's very, um, very logical. And so I just took it off my shoulders to take on anybody's suggestion for the last year or more of suggested reading. And so now I don't have an excuse anymore. So I'm catching up. And right now I'm reading a very sexy, cool, fun trans book that's very poetic and very hard to like find the plot but very beautiful mm-hmm. and then after that i'm gonna be reading i think they're like horror ghost stories and one of them is like the woman with the green ribbon but it's like more erotic longer version of it interesting and that story haunted me as a kid yeah so i will be reading books i love books but i read them pro- all the time i'll probably still be watching a fuck ton of tv <laughs> well see, it's about balance it's about balance you're not gonna you're never it's a completely unrealistic expectation to go like and now i'm done watching trash tv it's like no, no, no. you're never gonna do that and you're gonna miss it if you don't engage with it at all yeah so but, but you might be engaging with it less while you read more and i'm caught up to all of my absolute garbage so like and i really like finished the absolute actually oh my god i loved you might this might be the reality tv show you like i don't think you would love it you would probably watch like an episode of it and be like no nah, it wasn't bad alan cumming plays the host the traitors it's so good yeah my room my roommate and his boyfriend love it it was so good and fucked up but in a fun way but in a fucked up way but then you're like but this is tv you're fine. This is fine. There, this is a controlled environment yeah. where people knew what they were signing up for in theory. In, in, it can still in, be in very way, manipulative. In a way, in a way, yeah. In, in a way, in a way, in a way, in a way. There's a lot of controversy around um, Love is Blind right now and the Love is Blind universe and like... Oh, wow. Lawsuits starting and, oh, non- no. and non-for-profits starting that are basically unionizing. And Netflix not playing that live finale. They did eventually. Okay, well, that's good. Yeah, but that added fuel to the like anti-production team fire mm-hmm. what's going on with wga i'm like haven't paid attention um i uh do not believe a strike was approved um there was a there was a theoretical strike that was building up to that um got like a good a good turnout for we should put this over to a vote if i remember incorrectly and the the strike is about a number of things it's a, it's a strike that needs to happen in every part of the entertainment industry because now you know we seem to be forsaking the old broadcast television model the old methods of uh distribution of media most people are not buying physical media and so now and between that and tv shows and movies not playing in syndication on cable or certainly not for the same amount of money um everyone in the entertainment industry is suffering because actually most people make their living off of residuals um, for our audience, a residual is like 
every time they play an episode of Friends on television, the cast of Friends gets a check. Right. Or that gets added to a very large check for them. and But good enough for them, Friends is always playing on television. So they're getting that check. The It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia is always playing on television. Yeah. They are getting a nice check from that. Everyone receives basically no residuals in the streaming model from any major streaming platform. Right. Um, and because of this, people are suffering because you, as an actor, used to, okay, I booked a gig. I booked some episodes. And now... Every time this episode plays, or I have a small part in this movie, every time somebody watches it on an airplane, I get a check. That doesn't exist anymore. So, and because uh, actors are freelance labor and writers, it's the same thing, is is they um, are not getting the residuals that they need that streaming services could obviously provide, but because it has not been legally mandated for them, they have not been doing so. But I believe the strike was shot down. Would it be advocating for some form of residuals or was it some sort of, okay. Yes, cool. the the Writers Guild was wanting to get residuals for the people who wrote the scripts for things that are on streaming services. It is a strike that needed to happen. Famously, the last uh, full-on WGA strike was the 2007, 2007. Writers' Strike um, where they were striking over... Uh, residuals for online rentals mm. on things like iTunes. Interesting. Um, and this strike was actually going to happen in like 2020. Like they were building this up and bubbling and it was it was getting going. Obviously the industry shut down for a Why? huge period of time. <laughs> Wait, walk me through. They were lazy. Oh, okay. <laughs> they were sleepy and they didn't want to make TV in shows and movies anymore. In 2020. Yeah, burnout. Burnout. Trump's America. They were just tired. They Global wanna... burnout. Global burnout. <laughs> and they... So that obviously... Shot. And then when things started picking up again and people started getting staffed and, and writing again, people were just thankful to have a job. Yeah. So they weren't looking for more, but then it was building back up. But yes, today is when a strike would have started. But I believe it has not. I think what's like... Not embarrassing. Just a different lifestyle choice for me is that, <laughs> that, I'm was, that, was, that was me like positive self-talking out loud is that I've only been getting like my knowledge of this through movie set meme pages that like make fun of. And so Our I'm like, modern oh. day times, <laughs> the, yeah. the news of the, the modern day town square. So I'm like, oh, like looks like gigs are hard for freelancers right now. Sure is. But I don't know because I'm not doing that grind. Right. Now. And yeah, you don't need to be like completely dialed into that. That's okay. As, as someone who is not participating in that. I'm not union. I'm not really participating in that. But I perhaps hope to one day. Yeah. Yeah. That's just, that's just, that, that's what's going on. And that's the latest as of when we recorded this episode, which will be uploaded to Patreon next week and then the public feed two weeks from now. So anything could be changed by then. And that's what you missed on Glee. Great. This has been your news cycle. This section. has been your news cycle. Obviously, we're Segment. very into the two episodes of Crazy Air Comfort. <laughs> <laughs> which is why we have discussed them for a total of 35 seconds over the course of these episodes. It's fine. I do kind of like the resolution of the Rebecca Paula fight. Yeah. In the second episode. No, that was I good. think that is like a the way an adult fight might resolve. Yeah. Yeah. Of like, you know what? Circumstances have changed. Shit got fucked. Like, 
I'm sorry, let's figure this out. I'm here to support you. And I think that's nice. And I think that's, I think that's wholesome. And Rebecca is uh, traditionally uh, exceptionally careless and, and self-centered, but it was nice. Yeah, it was also starting to slowly build, not slowly, it's been going on the whole time, but the consequences of of Rebecca being so, like, narcissistic are starting to be more and more apparent of, like, you didn't think about the kid or, like, the girl who never speaks saying, like, you're, like, narcissist at the water. So, like, it's intentional right. that every, like, exterior character that hasn't even interacted with her is starting to call her, like, that's really selfish. That's what we're, like, maybe we wouldn't interpret it that way before but now we have no yeah we have no option but to be like oh she's she's being selfish so we can't like interpret we can't rationalize for her anymore either she's like not allowing for that in the terms of as the writer of the character yeah and once the characters around her start pointing all this out it becomes impossible for the audience to like continue to allow it because we are starting to see the reciprocal damage. Whereas, like, a different TV show could get away with this for nine seasons if they can, if they did it in a different way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, but once you start acknowledging, like, the, the casualties, once you start acknowledging the human damage that you were causing, you cannot walk that line back. It, it, it does break that mold of the show. And so now we're continuing to watch hijinks, but we're less and less sympathetic to Rebecca while it's happening. And, you know... It just it it gets we're again we're talking about it we're locked in this cycle. I do like the Mrs. Hernandez thing that you just mentioned that I had forgotten about, where she does speak and she speaks well, and it was only because we're watching this because this show is Rebecca's lens on the world that like she has not been speaking up until now because Rebecca has not been listening to her, and also the Mrs. Hernandez thing is like borderline stereotype like silent minority character thing do you know what i mean yeah i feel like i've seen that a lot so i'm glad we can finally like break from that it's okay yeah i think also i thought i don't know maybe i misunderstood it or just the way but that like paul has been talking to her the whole time exactly and, like <laughs> everyone else has been talking to her and in fact she's probably talked in relation to rebecca before and rebecca that was just... an interesting thing to me was i was like well like did she just not? I don't know. I thought I thought it was a good use of fiction in a world where they sing. I also noticed Rebecca start to sing, which you pointed out. Like she never sings, breaking the plot. It's always she and never she, sings diegetically. But she did a bit. She did a little bit. She did a little bit at the bit. Starting to leak out. Yeah. Um, what is reality? What is fiction? I thought Paula's kid was funny wonder if they couldn't pay to for two child actors for two child actors that day and it would be like it's difficult it's the same reason that like every disney character has like one parent and it's like well if we don't need both for the plot like why draw two parents parents are expensive to animate like just we'll just have one we only need one that's funny i never realized that was why i always wondered why yeah and people are like god i mean like the the same right wing people that we brought up before are like it's a conspiracy they're trying to undermine the traditional family oh. which is a very funny thing to say about <laughs> disney because they are the most traditional family like yeah. layered company of all time yeah but um, yeah, that's why there aren't two parents in, like, Beauty and the Beast, because, like, they only need the one for the plot, and, like, cost money to animate every character that you see. It takes time, it takes effort, so, like, if we don't need mom, don't fucking draw her. Yeah, I never made that connection, mm-hmm. and I just had a flashback of us watching Tales. 
<laughs> on, on Easter. We were watching the Easter Bunny uh, special of VeggieTales. <laughs> yeah, that was dark. When you were saying traditional like family things in Disney, I was like, what would go further? And then I was like, VeggieTales, and I had a flashback. That dark times, dark times. Fucking watched. And we almost watched it for a bit. We almost looped it, and then it was just so bad. And like the animation quality was so terrible. Yeah. My child brain accepted crumbs in terms of content <laughs> children will accept such fucking bullshit garbage it's like unbelievable yeah i was like i thought i was better than this at least shrek holds up as i look up at my shrek poster mm-hmm. look how beautiful that nothing's wrong with shrek <laughs> nothing what would you change about shrek about shrek in a 2023 lens that's an excellent question i feel like there's probably some cross-dressing jokes about the big bad wolf mm. that would maybe be something that i would change that makes sense you know, I haven't watched Shrek in well over 10 years. So, like, my memory of what is in Shrek is pretty fucky at That's this fair. point. That's totally I fair. Don't, I don't have any immediate notes for Shrek. I liked Shrek 2 when I was a kid. But I watched Shrek 3 in theaters in the year 2007. And I said, this stinks. And I haven't watched any Shrek movies since then. Too. You were also in high school. so Indeed. That was... Well, yeah, I was, like, 15. That's, like, the anti-Shrek period. You know yeah. what I mean? That's where you, like, stray from Shrek. When I was a chi- when I was no longer a child, I put away childish things, like Shrek and his friend Donkey. In the post-Shrek, a post-Shrek cultural landscape theology, straying from Shrek is definitely a phase. I think it's a natural part of the, of the, of the human animal. Of the ethnography. Yeah, it's Shrek. described in Freud's psychoanalysis <laughs> of, like... We long to return to the mother, and we stray from the Shrek along the way. The mother is the swamp. The mother is the swamp. We must leave our swamp so that we may return. To our swamp. To our swamp. Anew. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the hero's journey. It, Shrek is the hero's Shrek journey. Shrek is the hero. I mean, that's it's probably a pretty rigid following of the hero's journey, to be quite honest with you. Because at first he doesn't want to do the quest. Correct. But then they dumped all those fairy tale creatures on his swamp. I always forget about, like, why he's questing by the time he just wants, questing. He just wants people off his lawn. Yeah. And I get that. But I think as a kid, I didn't really get, like, why people quested the way they quested. As a kid, I didn't need a reason. Yeah. You're like, he's gonna go quest. That's great. That's what I want to watch. Like, Lord of the Rings, it's like, there's a ring. Got it. But, like, when you watch it as an adult, you're like, ah, oh, it's more than that, isn't it? <laughs> there's, mm. there's more. There's it. more. There's, like, a personal journey tied yeah. up in it. Interesting. Interesting. <laughs> There's, like, a lot of race relations reasons that this is happening, mm-hmm. and in the way that it's happening. Do you like... Yes, we've talked about Lord of the Rings. Listen, it's a, those movies are really good. I don't care about the books at all. Okay. I don't care about the wider universe. I think there's, like, a video game that's pretty fun. Oh. But those three movies are, like... There's unbelievable pieces of filmmaking on every single level, and we've discussed this, I think, on this very podcast. We did, previously. Yeah. Uh, you're the one that listens to it, so <laughs> you tell me Never. what we've said you before. Do, no, you don't even really edit it. Though. No, I do. I sit there and I edit the whole thing. I take out pauses and I adjust volume. Really? Yeah, yeah. I I I piece through the whole thing. So you also listen to it at least once. In a way, yeah. Longer than you do, actually. Definitely. Well, you don't know that. I guess unless you're listening to it on like half speed and stopping every few seconds to like. I mean, sometimes and... I listen to it multiple times. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I go scrub back to be like, was that funny? And then I'm like, that was funny. Oh, I'm so glad. So glad you had this revelation. I listen to it and I feel lonely. Yeah, you're giving notes on the audio. Yeah, I like to pretend that we're famous. 
Maybe we are. We no, don't know. I think it's enough for me, actually. I think it it's exactly what it needs Creation to be. Creation has to be its own, its yeah. own reward. I used to hate the sound of my own voice. Maybe this is like a testosterone thing. It's not that I love it. I just find... No, everyone hates the sound of their own voice. Some people love it. Like, they talk so much because they love it. Well, you know, we say, like, we love to hear the sound of our own voice, but, like, when everyone, when they hear, like, the first time, you know, like, a camcorder is shoved in their face and then we play that back and then people are like, is that what I fucking sound like? That sucks. Oh, yeah. Everyone has an experience. I have edited thousands of hours of my own voice at this point, so, like, I know what I sound like. Yeah. I think I'm annoying, but it's not because of my voice. (laughs) I have to work in Manhattan tomorrow. I'm Should we wrap supposed, this thing up? I'm supposed to be working right now. Oh, yeah. Um, You're on the clock. I'm on the clock. No, I'm not. I would never do that. <laughs> I would never clock in and record my own podcast. That would be disgusting of you. That would be a capitalist crime because then I'd be paid, what, $20 <laughs> for this podcast? That's fucked. That'd be fucked up. That'd be crazy. Uh, before we before we wrap up, any thoughts about the the many ideas around weight in this episode? Yeah. Anything you want to share? Is there anything you want to share? Not particularly. It's just it's a, it's a thing that really strikes you. Yeah. And I want to give you the microphone to say sure. anything if you want to say anything. I, also, I just you thought don't it want was. To say anything. I just thought it was annoying. <laughs> I thought it was annoying the way. Uh, Rebecca was like, I'm going to sit you down and teach you about body dysmorphia that you're, or dysphoria that you're experiencing. Whereas, like, every episode of the show is, like, people Lip- making fat jokes about Rebecca. Yeah, and her, about and, herself. Right. Yes, of course. It was just like, but I, I at this point, Players I'm just, I'm, at this point, I'm what you've described as, like, we as an audience don't have to, like, love Rebecca anymore. Yes. So, like... We're in a bad spot with Rebecca. I will love Rebecca again. Sure. But, like, when she, like, monologues about, like, feminism and stuff. Yeah. Like, I can start to find it annoying now. Yeah. Because... And that's okay. And uh, patronizing is the word I would say. And then, you know, she's nobody's favorite character is the protagonist. I thought Valencia's performance was really good. Yes, I think uh, it was a really funny performance. You know, everyone... She's getting know, funny. She's getting funny. I think they found, like, a, a, a fun angle on this character, letting her be funny, letting her be more of kind of, like, a fleshed-out thing as opposed to, like, a very standard romantic comedy-type character. Um, and then, you know, our ugh, our heavy hitters, our Heather, our White Always. Josh, when you call them off the bench, ugh. they're gonna... They're gonna fucking... They're gonna take it to the whole... yeah. They know how to sell it. They know how to sell. They know how to... They they make ooh so much of their pithy observations. I completely missed when, like, Josh was assigned to do a fashion show. Missed that plot entirely. So I don't it know started if they really happening. set it up. Yeah. Oh, okay. Got it. Or we were talking about something. We did comment when he walked down. We were like, I saw that in Bushwick yesterday. Yeah, like, exactly. <laughs> we were like, this fashion is... um. Like, I, I saw that on the street. It was so That's ugly for Britney and Silver Lake, but I promise you, yeah. Britney today in Silver Lake, you see that shit walking down the street. Say that thing, only thing. Every and day. She says, hubby. Josh posted a picture of soup on the grid. The whole thing was stupid. What's going on here? You're posting You're posting soup on Maine, Josh. <laughs> you're like, I would never post soup on Maine. And I was like, really? I feel like you would. You really think I would, and I I don't. I think you would. I didn't realize how curated, how much thought you put into your 
grid because you do like TikToks of like, this is Jerry Maguire one, and this is Jerry Maguire as a book, and this is Jerry Maguire as a Jerry Maguire as, book, yeah. And this is Jerry Maguire. You should read the novelization of Jerry Maguire in your <laughs> I'll put quest that on my books. list. <laughs> yeah. If you have like a a series of, of of seemingly specific things that you put on main. So soup. It's not a choice. I just don't. I love posting on the story. Yeah. I'm a big story poster. But grid is different. Grid, I just, I don't, you know, I'm like, it does have to be something that like, I think people should see. Okay. You don't have to agree with what I think people should say. I don't need to. I think it's interesting because I feel like people watch my stories way more than they look at my feed based on my algorithm. 100%. Yeah. But also the, the feed is, or the... The grid is really just for me to... It's a scrapbook at this point. Unless I really have to, like, promote something. Instagram is the scrapbook of the... Oh, it's May 1st, so I'm going to put a new grid post up probably today. Wow. Congratulations. After I do my paid job that I need to do. That's amazing. Will it even still be May 1st at that point? (laughs) Probably not. It might be May 2nd. Um, Well, I have to go home. Please. And prepare my Get out of here. meal for tomorrow. Run. Uh, no, I won't run. I'll be carrying a tripod. I know. I'm sorry. Weight training. Endurance. It's not a heavy. I have a heavy tripod that I guess I could I could use as some sort of weight training. Triathlon. Picking up a new monopod from B&H Photo Video this week. You know, we're all very excited about things that are happening in my life. Is a monopod just a stick? Uh, with, there's a lot, there's more going on, but it's a very malleable stick, essentially, yes. But mono. Yeah, mono mean one. Yeah. Mono mean one. Yes, yeah. so it is one leg. Yeah. Adjustable leg in height can, oh. can do sideways very well. Which is pan. <laughs> <laughs> well, not this way. That's pan. Can t- <laughs> Up and down. <laughs> is, that's tilt. That's tilt. That's very good. You're welcome, listeners. <laughs> That's film school. Why go to film school when you can listen to us? And my Instagram is online, <laughs> And I made a video game. And I defended my thesis. And That's true. I will plug the my site and stuff when it's up eventually. But for now, just, just you know, just lurk. Just keep listening. Yeah. Just listen work. and lurk. You better work, bitch. Work, listen, lurk. That's right. Uh, maybe one day we'll talk about girls and entourage. We don't know. Yeah. Life's full of crazy things. One day at a time. <laughs> one day at a time. One day at a time. I'm not. Jesus H. Christ. Take the wheel. Oh, there Take was a, from there was a part. My hand. Oh, never mind. What? It was Captain Crunch that I was thinking of, but her last name was Bunch, and she said her middle name is. N, and so I thought it Cap was N Crunch. She could be Cap and Crunch, but then I realized it was Cap and Bunch, Cap and and Bunch. just now. And, and that's Cap and Bunch is still good. Yeah, it's very similar. It's similar, but I was really excited in the moment. I was like, Oh my god, her name could be Cap and Crunch. That's why she put the N there. But now I'm like, No, you're just dyslexic. Anyway, that's the button. We used to be there for each other every second. With one emoji, we could read each other's soul. But since we've been apart, there's an aching in my heart. It's an aching that no cocktail can control.
timing. This is almost entirely all my fault here. But you gotta admit it's just a tiny bit your fault too. This is so all on me. But still you kinda have to agree that sometimes you can be You go.